Hello and welcome to episode 171 of the Thinking Outside podcast in Vienna, Virginia. This is Ben Olson. With me is Nathan Fox in Los Angeles. Hi, I'm in Los Angeles. How are you doing, Ben? I'm doing great, actually. It's been super busy lately with all the changes that LSAC has been throwing at us. Um, and I don't know, life, but yeah, things are good. I'm, I'm happy. I got a super weird phone call this morning. Some, some woman was trying to tell me about changes to the LSAT that are coming. And she was like in a big hurry to take the LSAT as soon as possible because of all the changes and that they were going to make the LSAT more like the GRE. (laughs) And I, Whoa. I was like, what? Interesting. What are you talking about? <laughs> that is not happening. This, the substance of the test is not changing at all. The the delivery platform is changing. But that makes it she wasn't she was, I don't know. It was bizarre. She was real stressed out. She has to, she thought she had to get the test over with now because she was real worried about the the new electron the digital LSAT was freaking her out. And especially the writing sample thing was freaking her out. Huh. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, if anything, the LSAC is changing its test too slowly, right? Like they're yeah. going digital, but still everything is basically the same. Yeah, they're 20 years behind everybody else. This woman was a little bit older, I guess. And so she was she was freaking out about having to type the writing sample. She doesn't want to write. She doesn't want to type the writing sample. What? And <laughs> Yeah. And, oh, okay. I'm like... I was thinking like, hmm, if you can't type, and that's a problem. Like that's a good skill for lawyers to be able to type. But anyway, <laughs> side note, yeah, side note, if you can't type, <laughs> hmm. but I was like, anyway, the writing sample on the LSAT is an absolute joke and it's the least of your worries. So yeah. Hmm. Anyway, we should make it clear that the substance of the test is not changing. The, the questions themselves are not changing. Yeah, that's a good PSA there. Yeah, uh, the test is staying exactly the same. Yeah. Uh, you'll still be able to diagram games on paper, by the way, because so <laughs> they're going to give I, you scratch paper for the first time ever. They're going to give you scratch paper for the first time ever. And by the way, at least when I took it official—not uh, officially. Well, I guess it was official. It was I took it. I took the trial digital LSAT with uh, with LSAC. The scratch paper that they gave me was a booklet. So <laughs> plenty I used of scratch the paper. First yeah, wait, and I could. I think I could only use it for the game section. I think that was a deal. Maybe I could use it in the other sections. I can't remember now, but I, I remember thinking, wow, I've used the first two and a half, maybe. F- I don't even think I used four pages for four games. I think I used two and a half pages, and I sat there, and I said, all right, well, now we're just going to waste all this paper. I mean, I guess we're wasting less paper than before because yeah. the test isn't printed, but still... I don't. I didn't understand the need for thirty pages of scrap paper. Well, knowing the LSAC, they'll probably like print out your your test report before they put it into their system. Oh, you know what I mean? Dear God. Like lawyers, yeah. lawyers do, like law firms do, okay. like where they have to print all their emails that come in. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> hey, what are we going to talk about on the show today? Oh, uh, sorry, got distracted. Yeah, we're going to talk about Kaplan. Offering someone a job? Yeah. That's cool. But I don't know if that's cool, actually. What what the heck? Thank you. I'm curious what this will be. Yep. Someone asks, should I retake in January? Probably. Should I spend another two weeks editing my personal statement? Probably. Uh, <laughs> we might get to an LSAT India question number five. And, ooh, a polished personal statement from our review service, if there's time. I hope we can Great. get to that. 
Yeah. I'm so proud of the work we've been doing on the personal statement review service. It's awesome. I am so proud too. I, I, we are going to talk about this as well. When should people start investing their time, possibly their money into personal statements and when should they invest their time and money into the LSAT? Right. I think that's on the agenda. That's on the weekly pearls versus turds, I believe. Yeah. So that's, that's going to be a good question. Cool. If you guys uh, ever have questions, you can always email us at help at thinkinglsat.com. When you do send us your questions, please include your selfies if you're so inclined. It's not a requirement. You can ask us without sending your selfies, but we will use your selfies to promote the show. If you have not joined the Facebook group, join the Thinking LSAT podcast group on Facebook. We currently have 1,152 members. It is probably the best place to get the latest information on the test. If you're curious, uh, people post (laughs) things there all the time. People post some turds there from time to time too. I, I, that is true. I've lately been, been chiming in from time to time because they're some of our listeners. I, well, I don't know if they're actually listeners or if they're just members of the Facebook group because they're Mm. sometimes they're posting just pretty ridiculous things. Like there was a debate about whether the January LSAT was too late for this cycle. Mm. And I was like, yes. <laughs> do you listen to the show or not? Yeah. You know, yeah. like, do you want to get into the best school at the best price? Then yes, January is too late. You should wait till the beginning of the next cycle. <laughs> I get emails. I've been getting emails every day. Like yesterday, I got an email from somebody who applied early and got their full ride offer yesterday. Mm. on that was on december 11th so is the january lsat too late yes it is you'll be paying the tuition of that person who got their full ride already yeah anyway still the facebook group's awesome don't get me wrong (laughs) it's great for next week yeah i mean next year but oh the january lsat yeah that's awesome for next year you're but just you need to just be early for next year It's, it's it's too late for this year and also, I'm shitting on our own Facebook group. The Facebook group's awesome. Don't get me wrong. It sounds like we have moles, though, in the group. Could be. Could be. Do you think people or they're are just like free riding? <laughs> I don't know. I think they're just sometimes people don't learn. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, okay. Oh, that reminds me actually. Just yesterday in class, someone came up to me and was like, well, I'm debating whether I should take it in January or March. And I said, hey, look, just take it both. Just take them both times. And, you know, they're going to take your highest score anyways. And if you're close enough in February, you might as well take it, get that experience. And if you hit it out of the park, you're done. And if you don't, then at least you have another shot in March. And she's like, wait, wait, wait. I thought I could only take it three times in two years. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. That's been gone for a long time. And she said, but I just heard it from you on the podcast. And I was like, oh, did you start at the beginning of the podcast? She said, yes. So, <laughs> well, so she'll hear us mocking her in another year when she gets to this yeah. episode. <laughs> well, I mean, she, she was rightfully going to the podcast for information, which I'm very grateful for. But yeah, I think we generally recommend people work backward, right? Yeah, start with the new. I mean, I think everybody should keep up with the newest episode every week when it comes out. And then if Mm -hmm. they want to also go back through the back catalog, that's fine. But you're going to want to listen to the new one each week, Mm -hmm. preferably the minute it comes out. Yeah, (laughs) just wait there at your computer or your phone. (laughs) And then go on the Facebook group and immediately start talking about it. How awesome it was. Yes. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can like 
the Facebook page, which is just at Thinking LSAT. We're on Twitter at Thinking LSAT. Nathan is at NFox. I am at Olson Benjamin. I haven't checked into Twitter in a while. I'll do that, I guess, today. As soon as I get off this podcast. <laughs> okay. We both offer classes, live classes in our respective towns. Nathan is in LA and San Francisco at foxlsat.com. I am in DC at strategyprep.com. We also have online classes and do Skype tutoring online for a lot of you. So you can find more at our websites there. We also have the joint project that we're working on, the LSAT Demon, that continues to move forward. Uh, The thing that I was talking about last week was that um, we want the ability for people to take timed 35-minute sections in the Demon, and we are almost there. When this podcast comes out, it will probably not be available that day, but it may be available the next day or the day after that. So I figured we could mention it now, but excited to have that feature available for people because I would say that the... um, number one feedback or piece of feedback we get right now is that people are excited about the fact that they can take their LSAT studying anywhere. So, you know, LSAT books tend to be heavy and people lug them around, uh, but the demon is on your phone. It works on any mobile device. And so if people can do 35 minute sections on their phone, wow, you really don't have to take anything with you to study the test. Amazing. Yeah. LSATdemon.com, right? Free trial, right? Yep, free trial for a week. Mm -hmm. Cool. So we have some updates here on the demon. I guess these are people who have written us about them. Should I read it? Sure, go for it. Love the app. My practice test scores have jumped through the roof and I've been on this thing less than a month. Oh, it's like multiple Uh different. That's just a quote from a user. Here's another one. Okay. I just got my 170 back, which was about a 10-point improvement from June, and I was one point above my average practice score. So it's going pretty well. The demon certainly helped me deal with some of the evolutions in the logical reasoning questions. I have no idea what that means. (laughs) (laughs) I actually think I have... I actually have a theory about what this person means here. Oh, let's hear it. Well, so I'm assuming this person took the November LSAT. No, maybe it wasn't November. Maybe it was September. Mm. So anyways, test 85, I can't remember which one that was, was one that I felt like there were more swings in the final scores, more people who did better than their initial practice test scores or practice, yeah, their average practice test scores, and then people who did noticeably worse. We always see that, but I felt like I saw that more with test 85. And in doing that test in class, I talked to people about it and I, I said, Hey, look, I don't see anything different with this test. This test seems fine to me. And my sense in talking to people who felt like it was an easier test. And then those people who felt like it was a harder test is that the people who thought it was an easier test were approaching it more intuitively. In other words, they were looking at questions and saying, okay, this is a strengthening question, so I'm looking for the one that most helps the conclusion. Do I understand what's wrong with the argument, etc.? versus someone who's doing it more mechanically and saying, I'm getting a scoring or seeing score improvements because 
they've gotten used to the way strength and questions sound. It's almost like they, the test writers have changed maybe their tone or their style for some of these questions, but ha- they haven't changed the underlying logic because they can't. And so I think people who are just approaching the test fundamentally don't see any difference or actually see an improvement. Whereas people who have been doing it mechanically or based on just like what sounds good because they've gotten, they've done so many questions saw a score drop with this, with that test. So I wonder if that's what he's talking about. Well, we both teach a pretty natural, intuitive approach to the test, right? I feel like every test is easier if you approach it on an intuitive level. I mean, that's why we don't like reading the question stem first on logical reasoning. They've been mixing up the question stems lately, right? So there'll Mm -hmm. be a question that it turns out to be a strengthened question, but they ask it in kind of a funny way. And Mm -hmm. if that's the first thing you read, I could see it being really like confusing, you know, disconcerting where you're like, oh, no, oh, no, I don't know what type of question this is. What am I going to do? And it's like, yeah. well, if you would have read identify the, it, right? <laughs> right. And if you would have just read the argument first, you would have realized, oh, okay, the argument's bullshit because these obvious reasons. Yep. And that's the answer. No matter what question they ask you, that's always the answer. I mean, the correct answer is going to be related to that gap in the logic, mm-hmm. the, the problem with the argument. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to hear that people who approach it less mechanically and more intuitively are doing well. Yeah. Okay, so that's two updates. I, that's, I don't know who the first one was from, but the second one was from Brendan. Um, yeah. Brendan says, I'm happy to give a more thorough testament to the product's usefulness once I finish my applications in about a week. So maybe we'll get another update from Brendan. Yeah. But uh, yeah, thanks a lot. We appreciate that. That helps. It really is motivating. You know, people, I get emails about my books and stuff and about my online class and feedback on the demon, feedback on the podcast. <laughs> we get those all mm-hmm. the time too. Yeah, I only I got a phone call the other day. Oh, shit, I should have saved this somehow. I got a phone call from a listener who said that the podcast was basically the only thing he did for for prep. He did practice mm-hmm. sections and he did the podcast. Listen to the podcast, mm-hmm. and he said, "I can't believe you guys make this all available for free." I got a one seventy whatever. I just felt like I had to give you a call and say thank you. And hmm. uh, that's that. That is really really nice when people do that. It's very very motivating. Never get tired of yeah. hearing that. Yeah. We don't read a lot of those on the show because we don't like blowing ourselves up too much, but we definitely don't have a problem with it entirely. (laughs) No, no, we do not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, that's good. That's cool. That's cool to hear. Hey, did you see this email um, from the, from Wendy this morning? Email from the LSAC? I did. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What do you, should we read it? Yeah. What was it again? It was like, now I can't believe I already forgot. It's kind of silly. I'll read it out loud. Okay. Okay. You know, apparently it wasn't that important because I, <laughs> I forgot or I already knew everything in the email maybe. It's yeah. well, no, but it is, it's, it's a little ridiculous and it has a little bit of like a Orwellian thing in it. Like they commonly do. So okay. it says important information about June and July, 2019 LSAT registration. That's the subject. Dear God. Okay. Fucking long subject line. Yep. Yeah. You don't really ever need to put important information about <laughs> in your subject line you could just put Either it's june and july 2019 registration update or something like that oh that would catch people's attention a lot faster like wait what you have an update about the registration shit okay we have edits for for the lsac as always mm-hmm. 
this is Wendy again, the chief executive communications and public affairs officer who's writing this email to all of our, all the licensees. And I don't know, this might go out to all, everybody, right? Anyone with an LSAC no account idea. might get this. Anyway, yeah. here we go. Good morning. Thank you for your support of the LSAT as it transitions to a digital format and for your positive response to news earlier this week about LSAC's collaboration with Microsoft to deliver the digital LSAT on Microsoft Surface Go tablets. I just laughed when I saw that the first time. They sent out because they had, they had sent out a previous email announcing yeah. that they were going to be using Microsoft Surface Go tablets. Yeah. But I thought that Instead was super Samsung. funny because they did all the tests on Samsung tablets. Yeah. And we were like goofing on how funny it was that the LSAC was going to buy a thousand or 10,000 tablets or whatever it was yeah. from Samsung. But apparently Microsoft swooped in at the last minute and got the deal. Hmm. So <laughs> it doesn't victory for Microsoft. I'm sure it doesn't matter at all what what <laughs> tablet it's on. But I'm just I'm I'm surprised that they keep talking about like who who gives a shit? I don't know. It's just funny. No joke. Like just when is the test? <laughs> where do I go? And how does it look? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I should say that um this time 35 minute section thing that we were working on. Yes. We we're mim- mimicking the um, the the navigation of the official test, of course. And I'm hoping it's, we're going to be able to like evolve that as the official test evolves. We'll be able to sort of keep it close. Yeah, if it evolves, if right? it evolves, like, which really, it'll really. very slowly change. These things are going to calcify quickly. I'm sure. We were joking with the developers. We were talking about the navigation, and we were looking at you know their screenshots and my experience when I took it myself. And I was like, it's not very fun to try to develop some cutting edge website when you have to follow <laughs> the LSAC. When you have to follow the LSAC. And, and they were laughing about it. And I'm like, well, okay, there are some things we can do slightly differently here that will make it a better user experience, but won't change the substance or, or meaning of the symbols so that everybody is ready for the official LSAT. But we have made it a little more uh, mobile friendly, which is fair because they're not doing theirs on on phone. But it, it was, yeah, we had a good laugh about some of their design choices. Yeah, I'm I'm sure it's not going to be the greatest. I wonder, maybe we can sell the demon to the LSAC. <laughs> yeah. be like, hey, we developed this for you because we know you guys aren't going to do that great of a job. <laughs> and by the way, <laughs> anyways, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I was going to keep going, but yeah, okay. Continuing on with this email, as you know, we are also making changes to separate the writing section from the LSAT starting with the June 3, 2019 test. So that's before the transition to digital. Mm -hmm. They're going to separate the writing sample from the test. Yeah. This change will result in greater convenience and flexibility for test takers as the testing day will be shorter the essay will be typed rather than handwritten, and it can be completed at a time and place of the test taker's choosing. That I don't I'm not I don't like that apostrophe there on takers. A time and place of the test takers plural choosing. Yeah, you could go singular there. I'm I'm also kind of caught up in this idea that we have um this I don't know, this well, my first reaction was 
if changes are good, usually you don't need to tell people that they're good, <laughs> yeah. right? Like you're just like, hey, you can take this online now at any time. And people are like, oh, okay, I get it. So I'm not sure why she's telling us that it's convenient and flexible. I'm also a little, I'm, I, I just, I'm just kind of stuck on the fact that these three ideas are all independent clauses. I don't know if that's necessarily a problem, but it is a wordy sentence, bottom line. okay next paragraph this is the one this is where the orwellian thing happens Mm. we have decided to take a little extra time to ensure that all test takers have the tools and resources they need to be fully confident in preparing for the digital lsat therefore we will be opening registration for the june and july tests in early january rather than today as originally anticipated. I call BS. It's 100% BS. What do you mean we have decided to take a little extra time to ensure that all test takers have the tools and resources they need to be fully confident in preparing for the digital LSAT? What does that have to do with opening the registration date later? Nothing. If you're confident, you sign up now. If you're not confident, wait a couple weeks. (laughs) I don't, I don't, that, that to me is the first chink in the armor that they might actually not be ready to launch the digital LSAT on time. Yeah, we are, we'll begin opening the, the red, well, I like this too, rather than today as originally anticipated. No, it wasn't anticipated. That was the plan. That was announced. That was announced as the date, which, and I have it in my calendar. Which, by the way, you didn't have to announce. There was actually really no reason to announce that you were going to open up the registration earlier, but you did. But yeah. now you're taking it back. There's just no downplaying it. real reason for any of this. I don't know. Anyway. They're trying to make it sound like, oh, we're here to help you. We're, we're postponing the registration to help you. No, 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 no. You're postponing the registration because you're not ready. It's just it's just so funny. It's just, they always are like this. It's, yeah. it's like, oh, we're doing oh, we're doing all these things for your benefit always. <laughs> yeah. We will make the new digital LSAT familiarization tutorial available at the oh, same time. Gosh. You could just cut familiarization out of there, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. We will make the new digital LSAT tutorial available at the same time. Mm-hmm. We will let you know when both registration and the tutorial become available. Thank you for all you do as you. Pre- oh wait, sorry. Thank you for all you do to prepare students to begin their law school journey, Wendy. Oh, so this oh. is this email is only going to us. Yep. Okay. All right. Well, anyway, um, we mock because we love LSAC, and um, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. It's like you're just the, you're not opening the registration on the day you said you're announcing that you're not doing it on the day that you were supposed to be opening registration. Now you're not. That's fine. It's, Which it's, by the way is super early when they said that they were opening it on December 12th or whatever it was. Yeah. 12th, right? Yeah. Today. There's yes. Today that's this email yeah. came out today. So she's telling yeah. us today that the registration is in fact not going to happen today. Yeah. As unnecessarily previously announced. There was no reason why anyone would want to register for the June or July LSAT on December 12th. There's yeah. no there's absolutely no reason why anyone would do that. Mm-hmm. But they announced it. So now they're unannouncing it. <laughs> now they're not even giving a, a date that they are going to open it. They're just saying early January. 
I wonder what internal politics Wendy is facing. Like, seriously, she's writing this email today, the day it was supposed to be opened. So it wasn't opened. And apparently they didn't know this yesterday, or at least had enough time to draft this email. Kind of interesting. I'm very confused. As always, I'm very confused. Hmm. For someone who's allegedly so smart, Ben, I'm, I'm frequently confused. <laughs> Maybe you need to reevaluate your presupposition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, totally possible. Totally possible. Uh, there's a new weed store opening in my neighborhood. I noticed today. I walked past it. So I'll just be high all the time from now on, and then probably all this stuff will just make total sense. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Oh yeah, I get it. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Early January. (laughs) (laughs) Far out. (laughs) All right. Cool, man. Should we get back to the agenda? Sorry for hijacking. No, no, please. I appreciate it. So although you just read that one, this one's from your friend. So maybe you should take this one as well. What's going on here? Yeah. So my friend forwarded me, uh, this is a friend who recently graduated law school. Hmm. from not the best law school. Uh, She graduated from a school with a 25th to 75th percentile LSAT range in the low 150s. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. So a, you know, 100 plus, let's say, ranked law school. I guess that might Mm -hmm. be an unranked law school. It's an ABA accredited school, but it's, you know, not the greatest school in the world. Yeah. She was there on a scholarship. She she managed to pass the bar on her first attempt. I'm very proud of her. She posted her resume on Indeed, which is apparently a legal job search site. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And within 24 hours, she got an email unsolicited from Kaplan. Yeah. Job title, LSAT teacher, part-time company, Kaplan Test Prep. Mm -hmm. Hi, I found your resume on Indeed. Please reply to this email if you are interested in discussing the following job opening. Thank you for your consideration. And I just laughed because it's like, this shows you what their like standards are for hiring teachers. Wow. Like my friend is smart, but she didn't even do very well on the LSAT at all herself. Yeah. She went to a school where almost no one does well on the LSAT. She has no teaching experience on her resume whatsoever. She -hmm. has no interest in or experience teaching. Yeah. (laughs) But within 24 hours of posting on this like legal job search website, she's getting a, an email from Kaplan that they, they want her. Wow. I mean, uh, the reason why is there's a million other, like if you're going to be a corporate LSAT teacher, (laughs) there's so many other better options besides Kaplan because Kaplan pays shit for their Mm -hmm. classroom LSAT teachers. Yeah. Anyway, I yeah, just it's an interesting chuckle. business model. I don't. It, their classes are short. They charge a decent amount because of their name, I guess. They're really just riding off of the name. Yeah, they're a marketing company. They're not, at least as far as the LSAT goes, they are not really a good option at all. I mean, they're they're much better at selling their services than they are at providing their services. Mm-hmm. They have all kinds of just crazy discount. Right. That's that's their deal. Is that they price it at twice the price that they actually want you to pay. Mm-hmm. It's just like law school, to be honest. Yeah. They, pri- they, they double the price and then give everybody a 50% discount and make you feel special that, mm-hmm. you know, they're giving you a uh, 50% off and you're still like paying more than you would have to pay or <laughs> pay the same that you would have to pay for our shit, which is much better. Yeah. And you know, the fact that they, 
they're paying their classroom teachers, you know, $20 an hour or t- maybe $25 an hour or something. 25 like that. is what I heard. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, really? No one in their right mind who had any kind of a good LSAT score would be able to, would, would stomach that because there's other, you know, I'm not saying like test masters and power score and all that is any good, but at least there you can make $50 an hour, right? Blueprint Manhattan. Mm-hmm. I guess you can make a hundred dollars an hour. Yeah. With time. Yeah, in time. They in advertise time. that, but they, they actually start decently lower. And after a crazy long training process and all that stuff, the, yeah. I mean, where they pay you nothing or very little, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is what I find most troubling about Kaplan is that you don't have to take the test officially. I've mentioned that to you before, right, on the show? Well, they uh, they hired me 10 years ago. Oh, that's right. You. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this was in Boston. I went in there looking to work as an SAT teacher and they said, oh, we're full up on SAT teachers, but here, why don't you take this practice LSAT? And based on a practice LSAT that I took in their office, they hired me on the spot to be their LSAT teacher. Yeah. Like, you fucking kidding me? (laughs) You don't have to take the official test? Just like, oh yeah, no, you're the Kaplan teacher now. Yay. Yeah. So so at least from what I understand, for people who have worked for me, who worked for them, you have to get above a 164, 165 at a quote, you know, designated Kaplan testing center, which okay. is just code for, you know, a room, a practice test offices. in our office. Yeah. 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 I, I'm just not impressed. I mean, I've not to mention all the horror stories that I've heard from a decade of teaching LSAT, like every rescue Kaplan students like every day. Right. Yeah. Kaplan Kaplan refugees every day are coming to my shores looking for solace and refuge. (laughs) No. Yeah. I was at a pre-law thing, pre-law like fair thing and sitting next to the Kaplan table and the two Kaplan reps at this pre-law thing at USC, the two Kaplan reps did not know what the sections were on the LSAT. Like they had no idea what the test was. Now, these weren't the Kaplan teachers. These were just the reps. But the fact that Kaplan is sending people who literally don't know what's on the test to man the table at the pre-law fair, I just think that they're, you know, it's borderline predatory. Like, they're just out there looking for, it's like lowest common denominator. Yeah. Like, oh, you don't know any better? Sign up for Kaplan. That should be their 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 motto. <laughs> <You don't... laughs> Suckers, sign here. Yeah. Anyway. Hmm. Okay. They're so easy to beat up on. It's, it's almost, it's weird, but they, they also get care. so much business that I wouldn't, I, I, I don't want to stop. Like if they didn't have that much business, of course we'd just let it go. Yeah. But it's surprising how much business they get. No, they're mobbed up with, uh, they're mobbed up with a lot of pre-law societies. You know, they do all these shady deals where they like give the president of the of the pre-law society or whatever a free class or they give some people discounts in order for you know oh you're a brand ambassador for kaplan now so you get a bunch of free shit but then also your pre-law society can't invite anyone else to campus some of the other big prep companies do that shit too yeah which is just obviously bogus hey pre-law society members if somebody from a corporation is doing that you're not doing your members a favor by limiting the options that your members can have. Yeah. And like, if you think, Oh, but we get this great discount because of it. Yeah. You get the great discount because they artificially jack up the price so that they can fool you into thinking you're getting a great deal. 
It's <laughs> think about what you're paying and think about what you're getting. And it's just uh, there. I don't care how cheap it is. If it's Kaplan, it's not worth it. Like if it's free, it's not worth it. It's actually going to do you more harm than good. Yeah. It's better to study on your own. It's wasting your time and teaching you a bunch of just bogus nonsense. Anyway. All right. Let's stop bitching about yep. Kaplan. <laughs> Carrying on. Oh, so Sarah gives us a note. She says for the next email, several emailers have asked this similar question. So I guess this is a popular one. Diana writes, oh, apparently Diana is a stressed JD candidate. Mm. Good afternoon. I hope all of you are doing awesome. I think we are. Thank you. I am. Yeah. I'm not saying that uh, superficially or whatever it is, you know? No, I was walking around town this morning uh, in my neighborhood and listening to some, uh, I've been listening to this playlist with like a bunch of classic rock stuff on it, mm. like mm. Led Zeppelin and old, yeah. old Aerosmith and a bunch of cool stuff. Okay. Yeah. Taking a break from my normal rap music. And yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just putting a spring in my step lately. So I am doing awesome. Thank you, Diana. Yeah, thank you. I am hoping you all can help me decide if I should take the LSAT once more. I took the LSAT back in June and scored a 146. So naturally, I decided to take it again in November and received a score of 153. By the way, that may not seem like a lot of increase, but that's quite significant. You're still not where you need to be, but that's that's drastically different. My lowest score is reading comp. Ooh, 12 out of 24. First of all, there's um, not 25 questions in reading comp. So 12 out of 25 in November. Mm, 12 out of 27. 12 out of 27 or even possibly 28. Um, But in any case, but in LR and logic games, I am scoring between 16 and 18. I do not want to turn in applications yet since I feel I still have some more room to grow in reading comp and maybe a few more points in logical reasoning and games. Yeah, you have room to grow in all of them. Yep. At this point, I have been studying for nine months already. Figured one month more wouldn't be much. Yeah. I work full-time, so I decided to start studying very early in the application process. As of now, most of my application is ready, and letters of rec and transcripts have all been uploaded. Do you all think it is worth it to apply later in the process for a chance to improve a few more points and possibly the possibility of scholarships? Thank you for all your help. I will be submitting, subscribing to the LSAT Demon soon for a chance of improving my score if I take it one more time. Thank you, Diana. I would say it's so worth it. I, I don't know that you should necessarily even be applying with a 153. It depends on what your goals are and what schools you want to attend, but take it again and then apply next year. It's just, it's money on the table. If you can just bump it up to like low one, high 150s, low 160s. Yeah, I don't care how long you've been studying, you know, like she's she seems to think that one more month is all she should devote to it. But if I were her, I would be devoting another year to it if necessary. Certainly one more cycle. I mean, taking the January LSAT and then applying. No, if if you have to go to law school in 2019, you need to apply right now with the score you have on record. But I don't know why you'd have to do that. But nobody should have to go to school in 2019. I, yeah, I have this conversation all day, every day. Just, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I never stop yelling at people about, you don't need to start law school in 2019. You can always start law school in 2020. September 1st will be here before you know it. And you could have all your applications in 
Diana, you could study for another three months, six months. You could retake the LSAT in March, June, July. You could get yeah. a 160. I, I just cringe when people go to law school with anything less than a 160. Think about this for a half second. How much money do you make in a year? I have no idea, obviously, Diana, how much money you make, but let's just guess. What do you say, Nathan? 60? Is that a high guess? That would be, yeah, that, that would be, uh, if you are making 60, you, that's like the starting salary of, you know, that's the most common starting salary for lawyers. Yeah. So I assume she's making less than that. Otherwise she wouldn't be trying to go to law school. Yeah. But I could be wrong. Yeah. I mean, with your scores and the schools that you're looking at right now, yeah, your starting salary is going to be around 50 to 70, 60, somewhere in that range. So yeah. presumably you're ma- making less than 60, but it doesn't matter. Even if we assume that you're making 60 grand a year right now, if you take an extra year, you're going to more than make that back in scholarships if you can bump up your score another seven points just as you did the first time you retook it. I just, I, I think people don't think about how much money they can make by getting a scholarship. I, I, like, can you find any other way in your life to go earn that much money that quickly? Right? Like if you save $150,000 plus all that future interest by spending an extra year on the LSAT, where else in your life can you go and do something and earn that much money in a year? And it doesn't even, it doesn't even have to be a year. It could be six months or nine months and she could literally get $150,000 worth of free tuition. Plus all the future interest on that, which just <laughs> almost always what doubles your initial loan amount, right? If you yeah. pay it back over 15 years or something like that. And, and potentially launch herself into a better school. You know, this could be better school and better scholarship. The difference between yep. a 153 and a 160 is like monumental. Yep. Like it's an insanely big improvement and it's not that hard to do. If you study for six months, Diana, you should be able to make it to a 160 from a 153. Yep. And if you can't do that, I'm really skeptical of your chances in law school anyway. Mm-hmm. I just don't, I don't, people who score, you know, 153, if that's your highest LSAT score and you go to law school with that, the outcomes are not great for those candidates. You know, employment statistics are not great. Bar passage is not great. (laughs) Even if you do find a job and pass the bar, salaries are not great. (laughs) So why not, why not make the investment of all it really is going to cost you is time, maybe a little bit of money for prep. Mm Mm-hmm. And you wait another six months and you get a great score and you apply on the first day of the next cycle. I don't know. I feel like we've said this a thousand times, but that's my advice. Yeah, I agree. Right. And, and you're applying, yeah, you're applying early. And then people always come with like, but my letters of rec are already in. Doesn't matter. And it's like, yeah, that's the, that's a, that's a one of many hoops that you're going to be jumping through for the rest of your legal career. You also don't need to update your letters. So you can just hold those letters for next cycle. That's awesome. Your transcripts are uploaded. Great. That's one of the things you had to do. And that's done now. And that'll still stay done. The thing you haven't done yet is get the LSAT score that will get you free tuition to law school. Also, think about this for a half second. If, <laughs> if 
for some reason, you had to update one of your letters of rec because at this point it's now too outdated or even all three of them. I don't care. Or two of them. If I offered you $150,000 to find two more people to like write letters of rec for you, would you consider doing that? I mean, essentially, that's what's holding you back from spending more time on the LSAT to get a higher score and thus a scholarship. You're essentially saying the inconvenience of seeking out two more letters of rec is outweighing potentially 150,000 plus future interest. Plus future earnings if you go to a better school and get a better job. Plus Plus making more of a difference in the world because you went to a better school and got a better job. And people do it with the personal statement too, Ben. People are like, oh, well, I don't want to have to update my personal statement though. It's like, really? You can't update a two-page document where you can write about literally whatever you want? You're not like, that's that's your reason for jumping into $150,000 worth of debt is because you don't want to later have to update your personal statement, your two-page personal statement? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's human nature, but man, I, I just don't really like that to me is lazy and lazy people don't really do well in law. Well, it could be laziness. It also could just be like a lack of focus on the right things, right? Like when you talk about it in these numbers, I think people begin to feel it more, hopefully, I hope. And if they feel it, then they can start to move in the right direction. Cause a lot of our decisions are just based on how we feel, right? Like they're focusing on the difficulty involved in rewriting the personal statement instead of focusing on something else. Remember that marshmallow challenge? Yeah. It's all about what you focus on. The kid who didn't eat the marshmallow when he was asked not to was focusing on the reward. Whereas the kids who ate the marshmallow before the person came back to the room or whatever, they were focusing on the marshmallow. The kids who, who didn't eat it, they would look away. I guess it's it, what I'm saying is I think a lot of times we're all very similar. We don't necessarily have more or less willpower. It's like we're just maybe not as wisely focusing on the right things. Yeah. I mean, so to talk about the numbers a little bit, I mean, if you spent 10 hours a week for 15 weeks, how much do you think you could improve on the LSAT? Uh, how about half a point a week? Yeah. Okay. So 10 hours, a 10 hours a week for 15 weeks and you improve your score by seven points. That's what Diana would be looking at to get to 160. Mm-hmm. I'm not guaranteeing that 10 hours a week for 15 weeks would improve her by seven points, but many, many people would. If they actually spent 10 hours and they split it up over the weekdays, right? Yeah. A little bit every day. Mm-hmm. Sign up for the demon. Do 10 hours a week on the demon. Yeah. And improve to 160 and you potentially get $150,000 in scholarships out of that. So you've spent 150 hours total for $150,000. So that's $1,000 an hour. Yeah. Where else can you make money like that? (laughs) Are you interested in making $1,000 an hour for the next 15 weeks? (laughs) Okay. Yeah. There you go. You add in some risk and you say, fine, you have a 50-50 shot at this. Oh, so So it's only $500 an hour. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Expected value. Or 10% chance. Now it's $100 an hour. (laughs) Yeah. Still way more than you make at your current job. $100 (laughs) an hour is $200,000 a year year. full time. Yeah. 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 So, right. So even if it's only a 10% chance, that still is $100 an hour on average. 
Yeah. And you could improve by more than seven points if you studied 10 hours a week for 15 weeks. <laughs> yeah. Or our answer for Diana is clear. Retake it. So here's the concrete stuff. We're in December of 2018. Retake it in probably, in your case, March and or June. March, and or June. Yeah, with June and July as backups. Yeah, and, and definitely take it in July because now you're applying in September. And if your July score is higher than your March or June score, keep it. If it's lower, cancel it. You get the option in July to choose whether or not you keep your score after you see it. Take advantage of that. Um, some people have complained. They said, oh, well, if I cancel my July score, law schools will see that. They will. They'll see a cancellation on record, but no one cares. No, they won't see it on their index calculation, which is they the won't see it on their index first. calculation. Yep. If <laughs> they say, why'd you cancel? You just say, I didn't feel well. <laughs> yeah. You. Now, can we talk about the score I got? <laughs> yeah. And if it's even one point higher than whatever your highest was at the time, you keep it. Yep. Okay. Clear advice for Diana. Yep. Thank you, Diana. Yeah. Weekly pearls versus turds. Just a little scoreboard update. We got turds four, pearls zero on our new mm-hmm. weekly feature. So we have a proposed bit of wisdom here from a listener or podcast co-host. <laughs> Uh, we got a, yeah. an email here from Ben the Hen. Yeah. Your brother really called you Ben the Hen when you were a kid? Yeah. Well, see, you got to realize that my brother is 15 years older than me. Uh-huh. So he was like a pseudo brother, father figure, kind of, I guess you could say. He's actually a half brother, but I never really thought of him as that because his, his dad died when he was five. And then my mom got remarried and had me. And so oh. then he's, that's why he's so much older than I am. But Yes, we're close. But at the same time, uh, when I was growing up, he called me Ben the Hen. I have no idea why he called me Ben the Hen. But that's what brothers do, I guess. Older brothers, right? Boys are stupid, basically. So he came up with a stupid name for you. Yeah. But you know what's strange is that Matt, who works for me, told me the other day that I guess I sent him an email from my personal Gmail. I will usually send it from my work email, but somehow I sent it from my personal email. And he said, your name is Ben that comes through as Ben the hen. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, how, how did that get, like, where in Gmail is that coming up? Cause I don't see that. I can't see it anywhere. It made me feel, you know, a little antiquated, but I'm going to figure that out and change it. I'm assuming it's just in my profile somewhere, but I really, I can't see it. I see Ben Olson in my name and my last name. So I'm like, I don't know where the heck that Slightly yeah. unprofessional when you send it accidentally <laughs> for business purposes, but uh, I don't know. We're, we're slightly unprofessional, I guess. So We are slightly unprofessional, but I, I would prefer that that not be sending from my personal email to anyone I'm communicating with out in the world, uh, even if they're just my buddies who want to grab a drink. So, All right. Here's the proposed bit of wisdom from Ben the Hen. It says, if you're above their 75th percentile for LSAT, Focus on your personal statement. If you're below their 75th percentile for LSAT, focus on your LSAT. Yeah, so this is a random piece of advice that I just came up with 
when I was talking to people about the personal statement package, because people are now asking, right? Hey, should I spend more money on the LSAT and work on that? Or should I now turn my focus to the personal statement and spend that money on your package? Mm. And I'm like trying to figure out what would be best for them. And in most cases, my gut is like, uh, you know, if you can improve your LSAT score, just like we were talking about for Diana, that's going to move the needle quite a bit. Whereas your personal statement is more like icing on the cake. But I feel like once you're above the 25th percentile for LSAT. 75th percentile. Sorry, what, oh, did I say 25? Yeah. yeah. 75th. Then they're already sold on that part of your application. And so they're, then they're going to turn to the rest, especially if your GPA is lower. So this is the, the random like rule of thumb that I just came up with. And I'm curious what you think. I really wonder, is this a pearl or a turd? I would put this one as a tie. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because I understand the idea that, yeah, sure, if you're above their 75th percentile, then that means that you are raising the LSAT profile of the school, which, you know, on their ABA 509 report, it'll show a higher 75th percentile because of you, or at least, you know, mm-hmm. you would tend to bump that number up. Yes. And so then at that point, they would probably be interested in you. So they, you know, are going to want to read your personal statement and you need a great personal statement. To get scholarships and move the ball further along in that yeah. regard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My, my, my gut, though, is why not both? I mean, I, if it's like, which one should you spend money on? Mm-hmm. I could see how spending money on the personal statement might make more sense at that point. Mm-hmm. But I, I do think that you know if you're one point above their 75th percentile, that's one thing. But if you're eight points above their 75th percentile, that's another thing. Mm-hmm. And I have a feeling that you can get you can get money by doing both of those things. But yeah. I, I just think everybody needs the highest LSAT score they can possibly get. Like there's never a time where I would say, oh, don't eat, unless you're already like in the 99th percentile, right? <laughs> if you're mm-hmm. if you're 174, yeah. 175, you know, d- don't bother retaking the LSAT. Focus on your personal statement so you don't look like an ass. I think I would literally never tell anyone to retake it if they had a 175. I just don't, I don't like for what, who are you trying to impress? Yeah. Yeah. You're already above the 75th percentile for Yale. Like what, who who are you trying to impress? Mm -hmm. But if you're at 169, you know, and the 75th percentile of the school you're looking at is 168, but you think you're capable of 175, then I would take it. I would, I would take it again. But I will give you the pearl as far as personal statements matter. And we have been able to make a huge difference. I'm, I just, I guess I didn't realize how bad people's personal statements were until we started working on so many of them. Well, bad in the context of people telling us that they are awesome, right? Hey, 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 we, I'd really like you guys to look at my personal statement. It's pretty much there. I'm a good writer. I just need you to tweak it. Can you just look at it? Do and you? Then... Yeah. Yeah. I think it's fine. I just, I'm not sure about the, you know, just the, want to take, just take a look. Like what they really want you to do is to just stroke their ego and tell them how good it is. Yeah. And then you look at it and it has glaring, obvious problems. And you're like, oh my God, this is not, this is not, let's tweak the first few sentences and then bam, this is, you need to start over. Right. It's like, I think that's what happens when people write into the show too, with their personal statement. I mean, I don't think people are writing in thinking this is horrible. Let's hear how horrible it is. I think they're writing in thinking, 
this is the best I can come up with. Yeah. Why else would you submit that to torture? (laughs) So anyways, yeah, what we're discovering is that people's personal statements, when they say that they're awesome, and in the past I've sort of believed them, right? The person's doing well in the LSAT and they're saying, oh my, I'm a good writer and I feel pretty good about my personal statement. In the past, I've thought, well, yeah, this person seems pretty competent. They have a high GPA. They have a high LSAT score. I believe that they're a good writer, but I haven't seen a personal statement yet that I haven't like been like, actually, no, that's not true. I did see one a couple weeks ago that I thought was pretty good. It still had to have several changes, but that was one of the first. And I was, I was surprised by the fact that it was good. Well, Ben, even when you get done with a document and I take a look at it, I tweak it. Yeah. And then when I get done with it, you take a look at it and you tweak it Yeah, and it continues to get better and better. Do you Mm want to talk Ben about, um, you know, maybe we won't name names, but you read recently a personal statement that was came from one of these big services yes it came again yeah a very expensive service very expensive service this was um i i don't know the exact amount but it was roughly five thousand dollars for this service in particular and um i was surprised again i mean i i guess i what's happened in the past is that when you and i have focused on the lsat and someone does have the money or the or the means to pay for help with their personal statement, we've said, well, you know, we can look at it for, we'll glance at it for free. This is in the past. This is a few years ago. But ultimately we're like, look, if you've got the money here, you should go to this company or go to that company and really like get your personal statement worked on. And my assumption, given the price that they were paying is that these people were getting top notch (laughs) personal statements out of this process. But what you and I have both seen is that when people send us their personal statements from these services, we are immediately writing back and saying, wait, wait, is this the final version? Do you have the final version? (laughs) This can't be the final version. What the hell is going on here? Yeah. And I'm not lying. Inconsistencies where there's two periods between one sentence and then one period between the next sentences? Yes. I mean, it's fine if you want to take the two-period stance or the two-space stance after a period, but be consistent. <laughs> you right? certainly like, can't mix it up. And if that's the final version, I mean, that's the type of shit that lawyers should see. You just spot that. And yeah. I'm. Uh, what else? There was also like a bunch of just bogus platitudes. Like even the ideas weren't good. That's, yeah. And that's where, that's the biggest problem with most personal statements is the ideas aren't good. The second problem is how they're written. And this statement that I saw recently failed on both fronts. You said, why did you put this sentence in? And this person was like, oh, they told me to put it in there. This $5,000 personal statement consultant told me to put this total bullshit in there. Like says nothing. Yeah. And And, and then he was like trying to defend it. He was like, oh, well, yeah, I mean, that's what, you know, he said to put in there and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I I really don't understand. Like, this is not, it's not necessary. You could just cut this whole paragraph and it, your statement would not miss anything. And it's actually hurting your statement now because you're saying a bunch of platitudes about the world, things that we would mock up and down on the show. I, and I kept asking uh, this student how much she paid, like, how much did you pay for this? And 
did your reviewer edit it and did they actually suggest this? I think at some point she was kind of like, <laughs> um, I was asking too much about the service. Cause I couldn't, I just couldn't fathom that this is what the product final product was. Yeah. You know, call to listeners. Um, if you paid, if you, if you paid for one of these, uh, services and you're not happy with the result or, you know, if you've paid for one of these services and you want to make sure you got your money's worth, send in the personal statement, help at thinking uh, give us permission to read it on the show. And I think we would be comfortable saying, Hey, this is the service. This is what they paid for it. This is what the statement says. And then we will give our honest feedback on what the statement, you know, good or bad. Yeah, right. I would actually, yeah, I would tweak your invite there and say, if you are extraordinarily happy with your service and you've been accepted to schools. And so you no longer are concerned about what happens with that personal statement. Even then send it to us. I would, I I'm open to looking at the best that these places can offer and see how yeah. good that really is. I am we, curious. We are scientific I thinkers, right? We would like to disprove our own hypothesis. Yeah. Our, our hypothesis though, <laughs> is that we are better than these services right now, based on the evidence that I've seen, I have extraordinary confidence in in what you and I together can produce. Yes. I mean, I'm confident in what each of us can do by ourselves, but like you said, the back and forth, I mean, and it ends up being being a situation where you comment, I comment, the 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 re, the writer obviously comments, the the applicant, and then um we're asking for more information. You ask for information, I then say, "Oh yeah, and by the way, if you're going to ask for that, you should ask for this and Please, more, more, more. And that's why we don't have a time cap on this stuff because who knows how many hours we're actually spending. I think I'd get stressed if I knew how much we were spending, <laughs> but I don't because we just don't even like think about that. We put a lot into it and we promise that we will do a great job. Um, you can go to thinkinglsat.com if you want to sign up for the service. We also charge less than other people do. That's I mean, what I'm sparked that this conversation, right? <laughs> $5,000 and like it turns out to be, you know, not not how could it not be perfect for five thousand dollars oh my god by the way our credentials just real briefly i have a master's in journalism and a jd and i wrote six lsat books and i've been looking at people's personal statements now for over a decade just kind of casually ben you were you have a jd you were a legal writing professional legal writing consultant yeah You've been looking at personal statements now for a decade, I'm sure, yeah. for your students. Yeah. So it's not like we don't have, we we actually do have the credentials to to offer this service anyway. Mm-hmm. Okay. We just haven't focused on it, and we no. just focus on the LSAT. Yeah. Yeah, but we we really should because I mean we're good at the LSAT, but we're fucking good at these personal statements too. <laughs> we really are. Mm-hmm. All right. Cool. So okay. maybe for this turd and pearl, bottom line is. If you can improve your score more, <laughs> focus on that. If you really are done and are in the 75th percentile or higher, then definitely turn your focus to your personal statement. I'll give it a tie. How about that? Mm-hmm. Oh, four and one. Okay. Let's see. Is this me? Hi, Ben and Nathan. Hope this gets bumped to the top of the list as it is time sensitive. While you guys are ripping up personal statements, I'm wondering, should I rip up mine and apply, say, two weeks later? Or should I rather keep my current, which is not perfect, but I get a leg up by applying a bit Mm. earlier? 
if you already know that your personal statement's not perfect, you need to work on it. Because when people think they're perfect, they're not. Yeah. And so when they think they're not perfect, I'm afraid that they're bad. Yeah. I mean, maybe not. Maybe you're the kind of person who's actually <laughs> hearing what we have to say, and therefore you recognize its imperfection, but why not work on that? Yeah, and and also you do have to... So one thing that we say a lot is that there is no one perfect document, right? Sure. Like it, it, even if we thought this was ready to submit, if we looked mm-hmm. at it in a week, we would be tweaking it. Yeah, I would we'll always probably be tweak the it. one today. <laughs> yes. We'll, we'll keep tweaking it and tweaking it and tweaking it. Yep. But that's not what we're talking about. It, this sounds like my hypothesis here. I just suspect that you know that it kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if it kind of sucks slash has obvious glaring errors in it, there's a difference, right? Between tweaking it to make it better and fixing obvious problems. Yeah. If it has obvious problems, do not submit it. Mm-hmm. It's the first document in your legal career. Yeah. Do you want that first document to be just good enough or do you want it to be awesome? Mm-hmm. And make it awesome before you submit. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. I look forward to Tuesdays to hear the new show every week. Cool. Wish the demon was around while I studied for the LSAT. Wow. Ben, I can't emphasize enough how helpful the score tracker was for me. Cool. This is these are all nice, nice comments at the end of this email. <laughs> Uh, Nathan, you once obnoxiously dis- disparaged, quote, religious people claiming that they probably get lower LSAT scores. Oh, juice. Well, why don't you compare Sabbath observer scores to the general average? I, I would love to do that if I could. I mean, but what? It, do they do they release those results, Ben? I, they might, actually. They, you know, LSAC has a lot of data on its website. I guess the challenge I would ask this listener is to do this for us. <laughs> yeah, that could that would have been a slightly more helpful email. <laughs> we could also talk about whether Sabbath observers are actually religious people. I mean, I, I know a lot of like sort of culturally religious, culturally observant Jewish people who would not actually describe themselves as religious, that they think it's more yeah. of a cultural thing. And, um, so yeah, I I don't I don't know. I mean, if 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 most Sabbath Saturday Sabbath observers are Jewish people, uh, Jewish families tend to do very well educationally in the United States, and so it wouldn't surprise me at all if the the Saturday Sabbath scores were higher. There are also people who t- who to take that test are just going to be more savvy to begin with because they know that there's an option. The fact that you even know there's an option to take it on a different day, you know, the fact that you're like in there getting special treatment is already is already probably going to correlate with higher scores anyway. That doesn't have anything to do with like your religious faith helping you to get a higher score. Uh, if that's what you're intending. Yeah. Well, I think we might leave that for any listeners who are curious enough to investigate. Huge fan of the show and future kick-ass lawyer. Wink. Wink face. <laughs> what is that? Smiley with wink? I don't know how to call it, what to call that. Uh, next one? Yeah. Oh, this is LSAT India. Question number five. Mm-hmm. It says Miguel has four family members who plan to come to his graduation on Sunday afternoon, 
but it is likely that only three of them will be allowed to attend. Wait, 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 what? (laughs) Only three of them will be allowed to attend? I'm very curious as to what is going on here. I also wonder if that's a premise or the conclusion, because it says likely, so that makes me think that it might be the conclusion. It might be, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But anyway, normally graduation is held in the football uh, stadium, where there is no limit on the number of family members who can attend. However... The ceremony is relocated to the gymnasium if it rains, and each graduate receives just three admission tickets for use by family members. The first line there is obviously the conclusion. The rest of it is premises, and I already know the answer before reading the questions done. What's the answer? It's probably going to rain on Saturday, Sunday afternoon. Yep, yep, because it's a conditional, right? (laughs) If it rains, will it? Well, we don't know. Right. Okay. So actually, so we need, so it says it will rain or at least it likely likely will rain, right? Either one of those might be enough since the conclusion is a little weakly stated. Yeah. Well, so it turns out to be a strengthened question. The conclusion of the argument is most strongly supported if which one of the following is assumed. Mm -hmm. By the way, many people would just look at the words most strongly supported there and immediately think it's a soft must be true yeah (laughs) which is totally wrong you have to read the entire question stem to be able to figure out what type of question it it says most strongly supported (laughs) i know (laughs) yes it does not say which one of the following is most strongly supported by the statement it says the conclusion is most strongly supported if which one of the following is assumed Mm -hmm. so oh by the way this is also not an assumption question it's a strengthened question that's right (laughs) because it's not asking you to prove the conclusion just asking you to find the one that strengthens it the most even if it doesn't prove it so because it's a strengthened question i would predict my answer in stronger terms i would prefer an answer that is in stronger terms but Mm -hmm. it really needs to say it's going to rain on saturday or sunday sorry sunday Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so (laughs) it is definitely 100 percent gonna pour buckets all day sunday Mm-hmm. That would be awesome, right? Yeah. Torrential mm-hmm. rain is guaranteed for Sunday afternoon. Yep. Would be a perfect answer. Yeah. And I, I just, I can't imagine answering this question in any other way. <laughs> you, 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 again, this is one of those where you like, if you're not predicting the answer, you're just not doing it right. Mm-hmm. A, Miguel's graduating class is much larger than usual. <laughs> B, Miguel has lost one of the admission tickets to be used if the ceremony is held in the gymnasium. What's the killer word in there? The killer word? If? Yeah. If it's held in the gymnasium, which we already don't know. I mean, that's the point at issue. If it's held in the gymnasium, (laughs) then it's already the argument's looking great, right? I mean, if it's held in the gym, each graduate only gets three tickets. Yep. Well, okay. So then I guess only three of them are going to be allowed to attend unless Miguel buys another ticket or steals another ticket or cheats the system somehow, right? Or his one of his family member members is graduating too. Like, I guess we don't know that for sure, but... If you're doing this really passively, you, A, looks good, right? If you didn't make any prediction, oh, shit, the graduating class is much larger than usual? Oh, yeah. So Miguel's probably going to only be able to take some of his family members run out of seats or b miguel lost one of his tickets oh no he has four family members but he lost one of his tickets so yeah probably only three people are going to be able to go (laughs) for real though that's exactly they wrote this question with that intention they want to know if you're predicting the answer if you're predicting the answer this is really easy if you don't predict the answer it's going to be hard because you're going to get trapped by these bogus answers yeah 
C, the weather service has indicated that there is a very high likelihood of rain on Sunday afternoon. There you go. Yeah, that's perfect. Your prediction. Exactly what we predicted. D, Miguel has several friends who have fewer than three family members coming to graduation. That would weaken, oh. right? Oh, so then there might be extra seats? Wait. That would, yeah, so that would weaken because he would be able to get extra tickets. <laughs> that's so that's a bad thing too hard. <laughs> that's not even a good trap. Yeah. E, yeah. Miguel has a fifth family member who is unable to come to his graduation. That's irrelevant. But A and B there are pretty good traps before you get to C, which is clearly the right answer. And you could answer that one before you finish reading. <laughs> you finish reading that argument and you should know what the answer is. Yeah. That's LSAT India. Question number five. Uh, that was a, another real easy one. Yeah. Should we do this uh, personal statement? Let's do it. Yeah, it's here. Excellent. Do you want me to read it? Yeah. Do, do we want to talk about it at all or just, I guess, just maybe read it, huh? Yeah. I will say that this person had a very powerful experience to share, but despite the fact that they had something great to write about, I still remember working on this statement for a long time. So a lot of, a lot of work goes into this. I guess I'm just trying to say that sometimes I think when we read these polished statements on the show, people can feel like, well, I just don't have that story or I don't have that thing to talk about, but yeah, right. I feel like you do. You just need to, we all, we're always teasing it out, right? We're always asking for more facts. Tell us more, tell us more. And then we just say, okay, now that we have those facts, just write those facts and don't say any of this other stuff. Like I'm a hard worker, etc. So it takes time to get to tease these stories and these details out in a way that helps us see the person in a positive and persuasive light. Go for it. All right. So this is the statement. I fell in love with the violin when I was six years old. At 13, I began taking the three-hour trip to Philadelphia every week for lessons with a top violin instructor. In high school, I soloed with the Lancaster and Hershey symphonies, went on an international tour to Russia and the UK, and worked with Joshua Bell and other internationally renowned musicians. When the time came for me to choose a college, the natural next step was a degree in violin performance. During my freshman year of college, I auditioned for the Civic Orchestra of Chicago, the Chicago Symphony's training orchestra. It was my first audition for an ensemble of this caliber. It consisted primarily of graduate students and professionals. When I first saw the repertoire list of this orchestral excerpts, when I first saw the repertoire list of orchestral excerpts, including the ever-intimidating first page of Strauss's Don Juan tone poem, the volume and difficulty of the music overwhelmed me. I had little experience learning or, or why can't I say this word? I would say orchestral excerpts, yes. Orchestral excerpts, which require players to take into account every detail of each note. A missed accent here or a wrong articulation there can cost you an audition. But the new music that I would have to perfect in the next two months was the same music that I had grown up listening to and dreamt of performing. I spent weeks on the works of Beethoven, Schubert, and... How do you say that? Um, let's go Prokofiev. Prokofiev. Yeah. Cool. Working note by note 
and line by line to make sure the intonation, rhyme, rhythm, and musical expression of each piece was as close to perfect as possible. Each night I would bring my violin, my trusty metronome, and my pile of music to a dingy school practice room, only leaving when the security guard came around to close the building at midnight. With the application deadline looming, I finally set a date to record my audition tape. I spent hours recording take after take until I was satisfied that I had captured my best work. Several months later, I received my audition results. Congratulations, you have been accepted as a regular member of the Civic Orchestra of Chicago for the 2014 to 2016 seasons. Despite my intense preparation, I was still stunned. I was a freshman. In the fall, when I began my first season with the Civic, I learned that I was the youngest member of the orchestra. My first love will always be music, but in my sophomore year, I took my first economics class and enjoyed it so much that I added economics as a double major. As my commitments outside music expanded, I became conflicted about whether I should pursue a music career. The Civic Orchestra of Chicago gave me the opportunity to collaborate with other talented pre-professional musicians, train with members of the Chicago Symphony, Symphony Orchestra, perform in dozens of concerts, and contribute to outre- outreach initiatives for disadvantaged students. As I worked through this internal debate, I asked our creative consultant, Yo-Yo Ma, whether he thought I should take a management consulting internship or attend a summer music festival. I find it sad that we live in a time, he responded, when society will think less of you if you are that good, that talented, and that multifaceted. I think that you are more if you pursue both opportunities, which puts you in the fortuitous position of standing out as unique in creating your own life and job. I took the internship and now work as an analyst at the same consulting firm. I scour articles, speak with experts, and write. Topics range from hypersonic missiles and the intellectual property of fighter planes to artificial intelligence and analytics for federal health agencies. I now prepare revenue models for M&A due diligence the same way I prepared Beethoven's Violin Concerto at the Civic Orchestra. Legal training will give me even more tools to continue carving my own, own unique career path. That's it. Yeah, it's fantastic. I really, I really like it. It's, I do remember, I mean, she had all of, she had these, she had these stories to tell. She just wasn't telling them very well. Yeah. And there, and there, there were some details left out. I remember asking for more information repeatedly. Yeah. Yes, totally. Like the, in that la- one of those last sentences, I now prepare revenue models for M&A due diligence. I, yeah. I was the one who I remember, I'm sorry, I'm patting myself on the back, but I said, how about if you compare it to the way that you prepared for like something specific? Mm-hmm. And so she put in the Beethoven's violin concerto. Yeah. And now it's just like, oh, I mean, you can just... <laughs> It, it just makes the whole thing make sense. It's like, yeah, you're passionate about music. You're, she's so obviously accomplished in music, right? Mm-hmm. The fact that she was the youngest person in the Civic Orchestra of Chicago is like, okay, that's obviously a big deal. But then now she's, she is able to tie this to, but now I do serious lawyer shit. Mm-hmm. And 
I love all those details, like about the stuff she's writing about. Oh God, yep. that's so good. And the economics. I mean, yep. you the, the beginning of this whole statement makes it seem like she's a musician. And then the end of the statement, you're like, oh, she's not just a musician. She's a smart, <laughs> hardworking, detail-oriented individual who we we learned about through her music experience, but now C is clearly interested in moving in another direction, which by the way, she answers without directly answering it in a way that's not very effective. Right. Like, and now I want to go to law school. Right. And it's almost seems like you're trying too hard to make that case. So People make it so jarring. Yeah. It's just yeah. like, and, and the law and they're just, cause they're just claiming that law school is the next inevitable step. And it's like, well, it doesn't look like that. If you don't say any serious lawyer shit that you've done, mm-hmm. it's funny how people want to leave out all this stuff that we had her put in here about the economics and the consulting firm and the scouring articles and speaking with experts and writing and all these topics. And it's like, yeah, okay. M and a due diligence, you know, <laughs> it's like, I think a lot of people think, oh, that's boring. I don't want to put that in there, but that's, we, we need some of that. If you've done any of that, we, yes, by all means, please put it in your statement. Think about it this way. If you go back and listen to this statement again, every single sentence tells you something new and factual about this applicant. And so it's only 637 words, but in those 637 words, you know so much you know about this person in high school. They went on this tour. You know that they went into this orchestra. You know that they did this recording. You know what kind of things <laughs> that they they did in school. They were an econ double major. You just can't learn that much about most people in most personal statements. They don't provide enough facts. They don't provide the right facts. And they start drawing conclusions. There's nowhere in this statement anywhere where she says, I'm a hard worker. I pay attention to details. I work well with other people. I take seriously life decisions. None of that is said here, but it's obvious from the facts that she provides. Yeah, it's showing instead of telling. This is this entire statement, every single sentence is showing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> It's sort of like I I feel bad because the show is so much funnier when we read shitty personal statements. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but these good personal statements are really, really good. So anyway, if you would like to turn your comedically bad personal statement into an actually good personal statement, <laughs> the one that might get you into, uh, you know, Harvard, Stanford, Yale and uh, attract tens and hundreds of thousands of scholarship dollars you should go to thinkingelset.com and consider signing up for our service. We promise we will do a great job for you. Yeah. Help you put your best foot forward because y'all aren't that good at it. (laughs) On that note. (laughs) (laughs) That was show 171. Thanks all y'all for listening. Nice knowing you. Don't pay for law school.